Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. It's the first Sunday in Lent, and we're talking about the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. When I went away to seminary, I needed to find a part-time job, right? Because, you know, I had, like, bills to pay, and school's expensive, so I needed to work. But, but I didn't want to get a job, you know, like a Walmart or something. I wanted a job where I could do some kind of ministry thing. I wanted to work in a church. I was, I was going to seminary. I wanted to make this my vocation. And, and so I wanted to get started right away. And I was looking, you know, online for a job, and I found the perfect job. They had an opening to be a youth minister in a Baptist church. 
And so I got hired. It was an American Baptist church. They were fairly progressive. But so I was hired to be the youth minister at the First Baptist Church of Granville, Ohio. And I have to say, I was undoubtedly the worst Baptist youth minister ever. I was not a very good Baptist youth minister. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm just not a good youth minister, full stop. Um, but, you know, the Baptist church, they don't use the lectionary like we do, where, you know, we have the readings kind of laid out and they follow sort of a theme and a cycle. They can, they can preach about whatever they want. And so the pastor asked me to, to preach one Sunday, and we were in the middle of a preaching series, and she wanted to do the seven deadly sins. And I got adultery. <laughs> so I had to come up with a sort of all-ages, family-friendly sermon on the seven deadly sins of adultery. And so the main thing I really want to talk about was sort of the real meaning of the word adultery, of adulteration, which is to sort of diminish ourselves, right? That we become less what we were and in relationship, integrity, blah, 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 which is all a prelude to say, when we talk about temptation, that's the kind of thing we usually think about, right? The temptation to do something we know we shouldn't do. Right? We are tempted to, um, in the case of adultery, to you know, have a relationship with somebody that we're not in a relationship with. Right? We think about temptation as like, um, I shouldn't drink this extra glass of whiskey tonight because then I know I shouldn't do that. Right? And so when we think about temptation, that's, that's usually what we have in mind. Here's something I know I shouldn't do, but it's so good because I really love triple fudge chocolate ice cream but I said I would give it up for Lent. I should not eat that. Not to mention it will make me more of me. Right? But when we look at these temptations from our readings today, especially the temptations of Jesus, it's not that kind of temptation. The devil doesn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, look, 40 dancing girls, they're yours. That's not the kind of temptation that Jesus faces. Because the things that Jesus is tempted to do are essentially good things. In fact, they're all things that Jesus is actually going to do. Right? Because the first temptation is to take a rock and turn it into a loaf of bread. Because Jesus, he's famished. He's in the wilderness. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. He is, he is completely diminished at the last end of his reserves of energy. Surely it would be okay just to make like one little loaf of bread. And in fact, later on, Jesus is going to be presented with a similar dilemma. Thousands of people have come to see him in the wilderness. And they're hungry because it's late and they didn't bring any food with them. And the only thing they can gather up is a few loaves of bread and some fishes. And yet Jesus somehow takes nothing or almost nothing. Nothing more, almost like a rock and turns it into a feast for thousands. The devil tempts Jesus to go to the temple, to the center of, of their life of faith, and to hurl himself off of the highest point, trusting that in doing this, God will be there and take care of him. And later, at the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus will go to the temple. He will go to the center of Jerusalem, and he will risk his life and go to his death, even though he doesn't want to. 
He prays to be delivered from this burden, and yet he trusts that in doing something that will surely lead to his death, God will remain with him. And then the G, the Satan tempts Jesus to be the ruler of the whole world, to have the power and the riches of everything. <laughs> this one has got to be the one that Jesus laughs the most at. Because, of course, we know that by trusting in God in the resurrection, we proclaim him king of kings and lord of lords. He is the king of all creation, Him 178 says. All of the things that the devil tempts Jesus with are things that Jesus is going to do. And so it's not that Jesus is tempted into doing something he knows he shouldn't do. The temptation is to take a shortcut to get to where he wants to go. Right? And we, we kind of talk about this usually in terms of means and ends. Right? Do the means justify the ends? And the answer that Jesus tells us is usually no. Then when we take shortcuts, when we do things that are self-serving, when we don't wait for the fruition of God's will to come into our lives and we do what we think is right or good, it can take us to a place we don't want to go. Right? And we, we see this all the time. That people make shortcuts because they think that their goal is so good that it's okay to take this shortcut. And I think that this is the kind of temptation that is most prevalent in our lives. Most of us have the strength of will to go, you know what? I shouldn't do that thing. I'm not going to do it. We can mostly, I think, do that. It's this other temptation when we see something that is laudable, something that is good and worthy. When the goal seems worth almost anything, that is the place where temptation makes its inroads into our lives. And the first step down that path, Jesus warns us, could be just the first of many. Because I'm pretty sure when people like, like embezzling, this is kind of a hot topic right now in our diocese because we've had a church where they had someone embezzle a lot of money. And I'm willing to bet that the first time that person took money, they said something to themselves like this. I have to pay this bill. I have this important medical bill that's hanging over me. And I don't have enough money. So I'm just going to borrow this money and I'll pay it back next week. And so they take the money to do something good, to pay a medical bill, or to buy a prescription for their mother. Or somehow it doesn't get repaid right away because something else comes up. And they go, well, I'll just, I'm just going to borrow a little more. And before you know it, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars are gone, dissipated. Because they, they started out by taking a shortcut. Now, that's true. That's like stealing. And we should know that stealing is something we shouldn't do. But it seems like such a small thing just to borrow a little money. We're not stealing it. We're just borrowing it. But it gets to the point where we, we'll never pay that back. And that happens in churches. It happens in the Boy Scouts. It happens in little leagues. It happens all the time. And those kinds of things are the pathway that takes us far, far, far away from the life that Jesus intends for us. And I think the most important thing about the shortcut 
right? And especially in the story of Jesus and the temptations that, that he's offered this shortcut to do these things that he knows he wants to do, that he knows he needs to do. But if he takes the shortcut, then he doesn't get to take us along with him. Right? Because if, if Jesus does this remarkable, spectacular, influential thing, but no one notices, or no one's been prepared to see and understand it, what good is that? What good is it to reach our laudable goal if everyone else has been left behind? Jesus reminds us that these, these shortcuts that we take, that we think are going to take us somewhere good, don't take us somewhere good because they leave too many others behind. And if Jesus had left us behind, we wouldn't be participating in his resurrection. We wouldn't be living into the promise that God made for us. That Jesus wants us to come along on the journey with him, to be willing to wait for God's will to unfold as it should so that the whole world can be brought into God's loving embrace. Jesus's vision for a world transformed through our own individual transformations turned into collective action would have been short-circuited. And whatever good that Jesus has done in the world through his followers would have been lost and God would have had to come up with another plan. That we are here today because Jesus was unwilling to take those shortcuts. Jesus was willing to trust in God even unto the cross. And the reward was grander than anything anyone could possibly have imagined. And Jesus gives us through our participation in his life, the strength through the Holy Spirit to walk the path that he has offered us, to live into the example of his life. And not so that we can be pious and feel good about ourselves, but so that we can be co-creators of the kingdom of heaven that is to come and the promise of a world transformed through our own efforts in concert with the one whose love is unbounded. Amen.